Hello and welcome inside the Saints Disco for another episode. This is your look at St Kilda Football Club from a fan's perspective. This is the fourth dance for 2019. And joining me inside uh, the Saints Disco once again, we're just fresh from a, uh, a comedy festival show, Screech. It's Screech. G'day, Tom. We are, yes. Uh, Saints' very own uh, Matthew Hardy, we just saw at the comedy festival, so I think we'll give you a bit of a review of that. And uh, yeah, only the fourth dance. It feels like we should have had a lot more dances this year so far. Um, so apologies, listeners, for being a little bit disjointed, but uh, can't be avoided. But we're still on board with the Saints in 2019, Tav. Two and one. What a bad place to be. Fantastic. Yes, as uh, Scratch alluded to, we'll do a quick uh, recap of the uh, the comedy festival show by our St Kilda fan, Matthew Hardy. Uh, Saturday Afternoon Fever, which was great. Uh, we'll have a quick uh, recap of the Fremantle game. We are recording this very late in the piece and very late in the night. Uh, disco after dark, if you will. But um, uh, we will, of course, look ahead to the Hawks game. And lots of our club news to uh, get through, Screech. Um, yeah, the club's have been doing some interesting things off-field. Yeah. Uh, so we'll certainly uh, see if they've uh, wet your appetite or if, in fact, they've infuriated you with some of their movements. Uh, chances are they've infuriated me, Tarf. So uh, looking forward to uh, dissecting with you. Fantastic. All right, Screech, yeah. So we do move into, um, I guess, the review of the uh, Matthew Hardy Comedic Festival performance. <laughs> and, uh, we went to, along to Yarraville Club. Uh, tonight, Screech, my first time there, and uh, we saw Matthew Hardy do his uh, performance of Saturday Afternoon Fever. Now, for Saints fans, of course, who haven't read the book, which is a um, yeah a novel from 1999, uh, sort of detailing Hardy's uh, yeah. stint. Me- memoir, I guess you'd say. From yeah, memoir. biography of uh, him as a St Kilda supporter, uh, predominantly through the 80s, and uh, his uh, fond- fondness for uh, Trevor Barker and the uh, blonde flying locks and uh, all that that entailed. I was uh, come to life on uh, stage tonight. So, uh, yeah, Screech, uh, g- give it to us. Uh, what do you think of this show? Yeah, well, it's the second time I've seen him perform it live. He does it well, and I've read the book as well. Um, he does it well in sort of a, a one-man play. Um, and look, for Saints fans, uh, clearly there's a lot to uh, connect with and a lot of um, similarities in, in, in growing up being a Saints fan that uh, you, you'd seen in uh, Matt Hardy's performance and in the book. Yeah. Um, yeah, going to Moorabbin, talking about that. It's, it's Look, it, it's amazing for, um, firstly, just to think that uh, he and his brother just dropped off at Moorabbin by his parents, not having any knowledge about the Saints or Moorabbin, what it was like, or, or football. When they were 10. When they were, yeah, very young, young kids. And I think probably a lot of Saints fans of that uh, era or, and a little bit older um, would have had similar experiences. And for us, you know, we are old enough, luckily, just to have experienced Moorabbin in our early days. Um, being in our mid-30s now, we, we did get to experience Moorabbin. A lot of Saints fans haven't had that experience. But, uh, yeah, just to think that you'd, you know, being your teenage years and just get dropped off from a rabbin and get to uh, fight your way through the animal enclosure and, and, and watch uh, from the outer is amazing to think about. It would have been fantastic. Um, but, yeah, look, the, the takeaway for me, especially having read the book and, and seen the show um, years ago now um, before, uh, look, the main thing for me, I just sort of sat there a little bit sad through the whole thing because <laughs> it is, um, look, it's, it's, it's fantastic to relate to being a Saints fan and, and um, you know, suburban existence in Melbourne, having football define your, your sort of, uh, your formative years and your teenage years, you can take a lot out of that. But um, the, the, the sort of premise of the show is based around him being in London and, mm. and going through the uh, 97 prelim against North Melbourne and 
uh, sort of contemplating his existence as a, as a Saints fan and, and contemplating going home potentially for the grand final. Uh, and I don't know about you, Tuff, but I, I sort of sit there and I, I think I can remember back to the 97 prelim. I remember being there. I remember what the, the Friday night was like. I remember the game vividly. Um, and it's just sad to think that that is 22 years ago this year <laughs> yeah. and uh, not much has improved. In fact, uh, we've had some flirtations with nearly getting there, as we all know, um, a few different times. But uh, to think that we're sitting here in 2019... 22 years after that uh, 97 uh, grand final appearance and we're probably as far away as we've ever been from a grand final appearance. It does make me think, uh, you know, it, made, it, it made, yeah, it makes me sad sort of thinking about that. So that's sort of the tinge I had uh, watching the, the performance tonight. But well, there, well, there was, was the, um, uh, the, the commentary at the end of the uh, Hardy experience was that um, he's still fortunate enough to be able to do this show because uh, the Saints have yeah. won a flag uh, in that interim period since he wrote the book in 1999. Uh, another point uh, he made mention was <laughs> the, the, the relays back to how we're feeling now about the Saints. Uh, Graham Jelly, he mentioned <laughs> the Saints coach back in the 80s. Um, sort of talking about, you know, we're on the rebuild, we're a fantastic side, lots to look forward to next season, we've won four of the last five games. Uh, it sort of feels like um, got richer in that sort of Graham Jelly mould, yeah. if you will, as yeah. the other uh, coach just trying to uh, polish the turd and uh, just trying to, I guess, um, you know, uh, put forward a case that just isn't quite there. So... Yeah. yeah, some interesting experiences there tonight. Look, there was a lot of uh, retrospectiveness, and it did. You mentioned the Rabin experience. It did sort of, I guess, um, reimagine or, I guess, uh, you know, in, invigorate my uh, fondness for the Saints and that sort of uh, devotion to the Saints, which I think can drift away a bit as you sort of get older. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and, and particularly in this phase that we're in now where we've sort of come through a couple of, um, uh, you know, close shaves where we haven't quite got there. Emotionally spent after that. We've gone through the rebuild. Uh, we've got um, you know the, the this five year plan that's failed now, and we're sort of stuck in that rut. Yeah. Uh, to, to sort of have that, it's just a, a yeah. I guess uh, just to have that sort of motivation of the uh, being the devoted Saints fan, it was good to sort of see. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk to a a genuine Saints fan, and I like I say genuine. I like what does genuine mean? I guess, but you don't pick. St Kilda as a your football club because you know you want to taste success or you know because we've been a successful club you pick it like and 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 Matt talks about uh, you know the reason he picked the Saints is because he opened his first pack of football cards when he was a kid at school and Trevor Barker was the first face looking up at him from his pack yeah. of footy cards angelic um, face angelic face yeah uh, absolutely what a hero um and for both you and I, Tav, like it, it, it's our families. That's that's why we go for the Saints. We have never had a choice in the matter. It's uh, generations of, of um, Saints supporters before us have indoctrinated us into going for St Kilda. And I don't know, like, yeah, he, I agree with you. It's hearing those stories of the reasons why we're on board as, as Saints fans. It doesn't matter. Like, as you said, we're into whatever year of whatever, like whether you can call it a Richardson rebuild or whatever <laughs> fiasco we're in at the moment. And it doesn't matter. We're still going to go each week. We're still going to barrack for the Saints. We're still going to uh, obsess over it every single football season as we do. And I think that's, again, echoing your sentiments from um, seeing the show. That is something, like a little bit of sadness that we haven't achieved the ultimate goal from 97, but it does reinvigorate you as as a Saints fan, I guess, that, you know, 
there's a shared experience out there. There are others like us out there, Tarp. Hopefully other listeners as well like us that share the experience of being a Saints fan and that we didn't choose this life. Um, <laughs> but we're in it and we love the club no matter what happens, even though it's been 22 years since the 97 grand final nearly and we still haven't tasted that success. Like Our passion for the club hasn't dimmed at any point uh, through those 22 years. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I guess it's a good time to turn now to uh, the current Saints yeah. and uh, the future direction of the club under the aforementioned Alan Richo Richardson. <laughs> and uh, those Saints are uh, moved to uh, to two and one after the uh, the five point loss against Fremantle. Yep. Coming off the back of a really good win against Essendon. Yeah. And uh, you know, patchy performance against Gold Coast round one. So, I think uh, for me, what we saw was you know. Uh, on the previous podcast, I sort of mentioned we didn't see that step change against uh, Gold Coast that what we've seen in the preseason. Yeah, uh, with the way the Saints were playing. Interestingly enough, uh, we saw that against Essendon, and then of course against Fremantle, which was great. Yeah, uh, we've certainly seen that. I guess uh, that upswing, which is fantastic. Now, uh, a couple of points around that though, Screech. We sort of got back. I know there's a lot of commentary after that Fremantle game that uh, the Saints fans were saying, look, a year ago or a couple of years ago, we would have got pasted by sixty points, thirty points. Um, after giving up, you know, five goals in that first quarter. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we're down, say, 6-2 to, to 1-1, uh, and we would have uh, fallen away. Uh, the Saints website described the performance as gallant, which was unusual. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have described it as gallant. I would have said maybe spirited, maybe, you know, um, uh, competitive, uh, yeah. which is some of the rhetoric that's come from the club in the off-season, which is fantastic. But yeah. Uh, it just sort of, sort of feels to me at the moment, Screech, that yes, we are on a, an improvement, um, but there's sort of this chasm at the moment between Saints fans who have been, I guess, conditioned to this uh, rebuild under Richardson yeah. and where we should be at this point in time, yeah. compared to Saints fans who are comparing it to last year and where we're sort of at. So it just sort of yeah. seems to be this sort of uh, uh, chasm in opinion uh, as to, as, and where the club should be at at this point in time. What, what do you think after the sort of three yeah. rounds? No, interesting point. I hadn't thought of it in that manner uh, or in that sort of context. But no, you look, you're probably right. And there's guys like us that probably look at it um, in the sort of totality of the Richardson experience, the Richardson mm. era, that um, we're not just comparing it to last year. Um, and I think we're, we're probably viewing things, you could, you could argue a bit harshly or a bit more harshly than um, others might or the club might. Um, but I can see why, from the club's perspective, they just want to limit that comparison to last year. I mean, last year was a horrible year. Um, everyone knows that and has, has acknowledged that. So it's a pretty low base to start from. So I guess if you're comparing it to last year, then a gallant, quote-unquote, performance against Frio is a really good thing. Um, but I, I probably, where we're coming from, Tav, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but uh, my view would be from where we're coming from, that kind of gallant uh, performance against Frio now isn't good enough because of where we are in the, the Richardson era. Year six or year... What year are we in? Is it year year six, six of the year Richardson six? era, yeah. Like, it's not good enough that... Um, look, compared to years previous, like, especially last year, the performance against Frio was, was great. And there, look, there are definite positives you can take out of it. Mm-hmm. What I'd look at is um, this year after the, the three rounds... Um, we know, it seems, that we're going to turn up with effort every, every single week. And that's something we haven't really been able to say under the under Richardson in his era so far. In 2019, it looks like we turn up to play every single week, which is a huge improvement. 
Um, but this should have been a baseline back in 2016 yeah. onwards. And it sort of was in that 2016 era, uh, sort of halfway through 17, yes it was. Yeah. Fallen away, of course. Definitely but, wasn't uh, last year. Last year, who knew what you were going to turn up and say? Yeah. Um, so look, that, that at least that, that effort's there and the endeavours there each week is a good thing. Um, but to me, it's just wasted opportunities. Um, look, we, we got down against um, Freo. And another thing, look, another bit of sort of credit, I guess, to, to the 2019 version of the Saints. Um, we're not letting teams have starts against us as well. well. We just did against Fremantle. Well, we kicked the first goal. Look, and I, look, quarter time, we, we were further down than you would have hoped, but Freo didn't get a jump on us. So, you know, we kicked the first goal. We were in the game. We probably set up more defensively or, or went a more defensive mindset than um, we, we would have was, was productive, I guess. Well, well, this is an interesting point because uh, it sort of felt like uh, in the Fremantle game, uh, Richardson has spoken about the famous noise of affirmation and he seemed beset in his mind that, uh, that they weren't going to let you know, the yeah. crowd get involved, get a jump on and us, get a worked. start. Look, that they, they tried to do that. Look, it didn't quite work because, uh, well, it as I initially. say, it was 31 points down. Yeah, yeah, but it worked. I mean, it worked initially. They didn't get a jump on us. Quarter yeah. time, by that point, Freo got on top because all we were was defensively and Freo eventually, the weighted numbers of ball they had going forward, they were going to score eventually. Um, so it sounds like, um, uh, look, and I, I didn't mind that. You know, we've had this experience in a state where Richardson has an abysmal record in a state. Yeah. I understand why he's gone offensive in that first yeah. quarter to try and nullify Fremantle and just try and, you know, yeah. get a break even at quarter time. It didn't quite come off. Yeah. Um, I know there's some criticism that, uh, that maybe you should let the, the Saints young players run free and do what they want. We've tried that. We've done that yeah. in the past. I think we've sort of gone beyond that, to be yep. honest. Uh, I think it was, you know, at least it was a smart tactical move to try and nullify Freeman on that first quarter and then come over the top. Yeah. Uh, look, it didn't quite work, but that, that's okay. An uh, interesting point around this, though, Screech, was that uh, after the game, Richardson mentioned that uh, they actually sort of kept the same structure and, the ke- and kept the same sort of, uh, I guess, method that they've been using in the first couple of weeks, uh, which I think is a positive thing. Uh, look, there's been massive criticism, especially with us screeching the podcast yeah. and, and fans in general, lack of plan B. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, look, we didn't see that again against Fremantle. Um, interesting to note that uh, Richardson said, no, we're just going to stick with what we've got. We like what we've done. We've seen it work in the first two rounds. Let's see how it unfolds. Yeah. And credit to Richardson for at least seeing how that did unfold. You know, yeah. 21 uh, to 16 in terms of uh, the scoring shots. Um Sort yeah. of, uh, Look, and, and it worked to the point where we absolutely got back into the game. Um, it was frustrating to get down that far when um, we were defending well, but it needed to be, especially in that first quarter, it needed to be that extra gear where you can absorb that pressure into state, but then launch something yourself. And it, that whether that's a plan B or not, it just didn't seem to be there. But look, um, yeah. Just to echo your thoughts, let's have like credit to, to Richard on the, the game plan there. We, we it did get us back in the game. Um, it's the wastefulness and the um, the, the poor decision making at times with bombing the ball in, into the four line, which we've seen time and time again. Yeah. Um, and, and the wastefulness in front of goal. We're not a good enough side where we can absorb that kind of those kinds of mistakes. Yeah, there's there's too many. Uh, just to go back to the initial uh, point there, Scrooge, There's too many hallmarks from the uh, Richardson era early doors. Yeah. That retain themselves now. Yeah. Uh, talking about the bombing inside fifty. Yeah. Uh, talking about your man Luke Dunstan not getting back oh, on the don't, mark. Don't don't get uh, A simple act like that that yeah. doesn't require you know different game plans. Overuse of 
handball different players over possessing the ball and are under pressure, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it's still so, there. So, so there's a lot of traits that are still unfortunately there. The skill errors that uh, the persist. Uh, just things that, uh, that, that should have been ironed out in terms of these chinks uh, <laughs> that just haven't quite done so yet. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Screech... In the West Australian, I believe it was, um, being dumped by Dockers is no disaster, says Jack Billings. That was the headline there. A bit harsh on a uh, weird headline as well. Billings from the West it's Australian. A, it's a very wordy headline. Jack Billings, uh, 23, now in the Saints Leadership Group Screech, uh, said Coach Alan Richardson told them to keep trusting their system and backing themselves in and hopefully it would turn. We tried to do that but didn't get across the line, Billings said, accepting defeat. We have taken great confidence with the way we have been playing. It's been positive, and I guess we only lost by five points tonight. It's not disastrous. We would have liked the result to go the other way, but we take confidence with what we have done, and hopefully we can bounce back next week and hopefully start better. The main thing is we bounce back and have a really good week and attack next week. So I think um, that's interesting, that the uh, the system is something that the players have real confidence in. Yeah. Uh, we saw last the year that... there is a system. Well, that, that's yeah, the that main thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's a real positive, that uh, last year we saw that, that fall away. Yeah. There was a system, fell away by round two against North yeah. Melbourne, didn't recover. Yeah. At least this way, this gives the players the utmost confidence that they can... Um, you know, uh, at least have faith in this system that's going to get them back in the game to have a winning opportunity. Yeah, look, if that's the case... Um, and hopefully um, the game against Frio is an example of that because we got back in the game and the, the proof is there. Um, we're not a good enough side yet that we can uh, put up with or, or deal with the mistakes that we made and the um, inefficiency in front of goal and, and still get a result. But the fact that, uh, yeah, look, they stuck to that system or at least implemented the system when they needed to and got us back in the game... And really, there were plenty of chances there, especially in the last quarter, to, to win the game. Um, the fact that we're there, the, the, the negative side of it is that players could walk away from that thinking, well, look at us, we got close enough and that's good enough. Yeah. Um, and there's... It seemed to be the commentary from Billings. Yeah, I, I, it sort of, it, I get that feel from Billings' comments that the, the view is like, well, look how close we got. Mm. Didn't win, it doesn't matter. But, you know, we, we played pretty well and we got close enough and we'll reset and, and come home and, and play another game. Um, I, you know, you just, you'd hope there's a bit more of that fire there with the players that, you know, near enough isn't good enough anymore. Um, but look, I, 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 it was sort of what I expected going to the Frio game for me was that I, 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 based on the first two weeks, I thought we're at least going to give a good show. We're going to have some effort there, which we did. Um, but I didn't think we had the uh, the finishing class there to um, to get a win, and it sort of panned out that way. Even though, you know, five points maybe flattered us a little bit. That you know, the Billings goal late was a bit of a um, a bonus, I suppose. But um, you know, we were within striking distance and nearly could have stolen the game. So that that's a positive, I suppose. No, no, the, the flaws were there though, Scrooge, because uh, Michael Walters kills us every time. Every time, and yeah. and we knew going into this game, we're fans. We know going into this game that yeah. Mike Walters is a, a gun for them, and yeah. uh, he's killed us before in the past. So, so why didn't Richardson and the Brains Trust, you know, bother to put someone on him to try and nullify Walters? Yeah, well, uh, he cut us apart again. He did, and uh, really in a really frustrating manner that he was, you know, the goals he kicked, he was just unmarked in the forward line. Like, literally unmarked in the full line. Look, it seemed like they put a lot of work into Fife. Obviously, with Steele going to him, Steele did a good job. Yeah. Fife was, was good for them, but um, Steele um, sort of dampened his effectiveness as much as possible before um, uh, Fife went off with the uh, unfortunate concussion. 
Um, but yeah, no, you're right. hundred percent. Walters has killed us the last few years and, um, absolutely killed us again on the weekend. And that's, I don't know whether it's a lack of respect to, to Freo or to Walters or whether it's just laziness. I'm not sure. I mean, it didn't seem like there was any plan for him though. I don't, I don't know. It didn't seem like um, when he, he was making a difference for Freo that there was any Saints player sort of anywhere near him. So we've seen that story before. It also we saw in the game, Luke Ryan had 13 marks un, undetected well, in the in the back yeah. half. And that's that in-game adjustment that just didn't happen. I mean, you needed some kind of defensive forward doing a job on him. Like he killed, I've, I've never seen him before. <laughs> Maybe it was just a haircut. There was a difference, but... Um, he, he was everywhere for them. Uh, the intercept possessions and, and cutting off uh, our attacks. Look, we didn't uh, do ourselves any favours with the method of our forward no. entries a lot of the time. But um, yeah, that in-game adjustment of getting some kind of defensive forward uh, just to keep him away from the ball, or just to go with him. So anywhere he went to try and intercept the, our forward thrust, there was someone there to... Uh, to provide a contest, uh, it just didn't eventuate. And look, yeah, th- those two players really, um, you know, you could break even everywhere on the ground, but you had a, a guy like Walters who was clearly on, on top and their best player. And then, um, the, what's his name? Ryan? Luke Ryan. Luke yeah. Ryan. Um, with a horrible haircut, um, only rivaled by Cam McCarthy, I think now with horrible haircuts in Frio. Um, you, you could take the influence of those two players out and suddenly we win the game. But that in-game adjustment just didn't happen. It's been a hallmark, unfortunately, in the Richards, uh, Richardson coaching box. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, um, look, uh, some some things to take away from a screech. I wouldn't describe it as gallant as the uh, Saints website did. Yeah. Uh, I, as I say, describe it as a performance where, you know, we were competitive. Well, sort of, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, you get that close, hmm. you have more scoring shots than... Opposition interstate, you know, you have more more scoring shots than a, a, a team in Perth. You'd really hope you'd win the game. Otherwise, it's a frustrating day out, which is yeah. what it proved to be. And with their best player going off in five, he's got out for the game uh, yeah. one and a half quarters, and to not run over the top yeah. of them when we're the fittest side in the competition, according to Simon Lethley. Yeah, uh, that was disappointing. And the thing that really got to me as well, which um, look, and I don't know how we go with with fixing this because I think Rowan Marshall's doing a good job in the ruck, and I definitely yeah. don't want to see. Pierce or, or longer come in to replace him, but the centre clearances, especially in that third quarter when um, the game was really there to be won, we just could not get the ball out of the middle. Yeah. Any kind of centre clearance, uh, Freo just took the ball away when they needed to. Um, I think look, Marshall's competing his ass off, but uh, clearly Freo were on top there, and I think that's a bit of a um, Achilles heel for us. There is is, is that centre clearance uh, work, and it might take a bit of time with Marshall being you know new to the ruck uh, position. Yeah. Uh, and you know, working around with, with Jack Stephen on the side. Yep. Um, with uh, you know some younger players, and you've know, got more more Billings, more Gresham going through the midfield. You'd hope that'd help that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know it seems to be a bit, bit of an uh, an area of concern for us uh, into games coming up. Well, hopefully we can fix it against the Hawks um, yeah. uh, today. Uh, Screech. All right, Screech, uh, there we have it. There's a little bit of a recap on the Fremantle game. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing was you sort of move into the, uh, the Club Noons uh, segment of the show was um, uh, the, the 666 and the, uh, the end of the game with uh, Richardson. Um, yeah. Pulling, I think it was Battle, pu- pushing him forward. And uh, he said that uh, Richardson, after the game, said it was a uh, brain fade yeah. from the other uh, Saints player there who, uh, you know, stepped was in at that time. It looked like Billings. 
Because Billings was the one that came. I, I, the talk after um, checking notes there, Charles. The, the talk after the game was it was battle. That that's that's the talk that they moved mm. him forward. But watching the game live, it looked like Billings was the one that came out. He was the one that came in and then came out of the forward line. He well, yeah, according, according to, the, to, to the uh, according to John Ralph and the Herald Sun publication, it was, publication, it was uh, Josh Battle yeah. copped a warning for being out of position. Now, interestingly, around this uh, screech, there's a couple of points. Um, kudos to the Richardson box. If they did think in advance, I thought, look, we've only got eight seconds. Surely that is beyond the thinking capacity of, uh, of Alan Richardson. But he's got the, the new team there with the Lay new and, trust, and yeah. uh, Ratton, so you never know. Uh, kudos to the box if they did think ahead and do that. But, um, but then for, Richardson... for the purposes of the bounce. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the purpose. So instead of having a random bounce, we know AFL umpires have... They've got one fiscal skill to perform, Tav, each week, and 99.9% of them are physically incapable of performing that physical skill of bouncing a ball. So yeah. uh, instead of having the vagaries of that bounce decide um, which way the centre clearance went, they thought, let's make sure the umpire throws it up, which happens after a, a warning, apparently. Another one of the random AFL rules that they just throw in. Yeah, which will no probably reason. get changed uh, in due course. Yeah. But uh, we had a crack at it if we did, trying to, uh, I guess, um, get around those rules. Yeah. It didn't quite come off, but no. uh, at least we gave ourselves every yeah. opportunity, which was good. Yeah. Uh, and Simon Leftling came out and sort of uh, said, uh, you know, it was uh, something that we think that the, uh, the AFL needed to persist with, uh, which was... With a uh, warning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess um, you don't want to see a club lose the game uh, for, for something like that. But I personally don't know about that. I think I think the warning's a bit uh, a bit soft, actually. Well, stupid. Yeah, the warning's stupid. Um, but the rule itself is, is weird anyway. Look, I get the merits of it. I haven't seen... Um, personally watching games, I haven't seen... Look, I, I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all for um, less regulation, less rules... Um, in games of football because the more rules you have the more uh, interpretation you open up games to be decided by the umpires which is ridiculous because they're completely inept at their job but I think it seems like the 666 rule actually works well um, and especially I guess in situations like we found ourselves against Freo with with um, five points down with you know not enough time left clearly but um, if a team finds itself five points down with not much time left. The opposition can't stack the back line. They can't, you know, have suddenly two, three extra players back behind the ball because you have to start with a 6-6-6. So in instances like that, you've seen, you know, Bulldogs come from behind out of nowhere to beat Hawthorne uh, at the G a couple of weeks ago. Things like that can happen because of that rule. Um, and if that is if that is the consequence of that rule, then it, it, it's only a good thing. In terms of the, the warning, I mean, it's... Why have the rule and have a warning? You either have a rule or, or you don't, would be my um, sentiments on that. Another contentious one was uh, Jack Billings uh, with the fall over. Oh, that was ridiculous. Um, Absolutely ridiculous. It just seemed up yeah. beyond a joke. Like, what, what, what's going on there? Yeah, oh, it's, well, this is a rule that came in years ago, mm. and it just seems like um, they apply it whenever they're sort of reminded that it's a rule. You know, like a player sort of falls over because someone is anywhere near their legs and anything. Oh, that's right. That's a rule. I'll, I'll pay that one. The, the Billings one was ridiculous. He, he didn't dive into the player's legs. He dived for the mark and then he carried forward going for the, the ball mm. and the player hadn't read it. The player went into Billings' back, if anything. Um, but it was completely ridiculous. But 
the AFL set it, sets itself up that they can justify that as a free kick, so they're never going to come out and say it was a mistake. They'll justify it, and the umpires will go on and make mistakes like that in the future. Fantastic. What a great uh, league we're in. Can't wait for that to happen. All right, Scratch, we'll move along into some club news, as I uh, aforementioned, and um, we just... Uh, what are we touching on? Well, there's a few things we can touch on, Screech. Um, uh, we've had some, I guess, uh, interesting uh, developments uh, off-field for the uh, for the club. Um, Hit me with an interesting development, Dale. What have we got? Uh, the Saints have actually uh, done some uh, good commercial work, Screech, which yeah. is good. So yes. you'll like that this. That sounds promising. Okay. Uh, the club, of course. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get the uh, the winners' pledge. That was the first time this year we haven't got the yeah, winners' pledge money coming true. in. True. So, uh, have we heard how much the winners' pledge is? No, we still haven't heard how much the uh, the winners' pledge is. At so we've only seen the advertisement asking for money. We haven't seen the this much is the winners' pledge. So every time we win, we're getting this much. We haven't we haven't seen that. That's right. Surely that would be the next step in in such a uh, a drive asking for money, Tar. Let us know. You know, you, what, what are the stakes? Surely, like, if it's worked or if it hasn't worked, like, surely you, you, you'd publicise that. Well, you would, but uh, this new man here, Chris Larkins, he's the uh, the new Saints General Manager of Commercial, and he's bringing in the coin screen. Where, where's to, uh, he from, Tal? What's his background? Uh, you well, with that? Well, I don't have that uh, level of detail, oh, unfortunately. Have you ever looked it up on LinkedIn? <laughs> no. Come on. You, you dominate LinkedIn, Tal. I haven't uh, certainly uh, looked at the background of Chris Larkins at this point, Dr. Peter Chris Larkins at this point in time, but uh, anyway, he's brought in ANS Partners with St Kilda. Now, you like this, Screech, because um, Australian Nutrition and Sports, an official partner of St Kilda Football Club. Yes, okay, official, I like it. There's a nutrition and wellness company with a broad range of products made right here in Australia. Yep. Anyway, the interesting thing around this is they do sort of protein shakes, baby formula, etc. They don't do the uh, Ahmed Saad uh, protein <laughs> shakes, do they? <laughs> well, let's hope not for the players' sake. But uh, your man Chris Larkins here said, we're thrilled to welcome ANS on board, yep. Larkins said. Our trip thrilled. to China this year oh, is an important and historic moment for the club. To yep. have a partner with us who is experienced in the region come along for the journey is really exciting. Okay. So coming up for the journey, so they're on the plane, are they? With the uh, with the Saints team, but they are. And uh, what A and S CEO Tom Lashen uh, said, he was looking forward to a prosperous relationship with the club. Yeah. Okay. The opportunity to partner with the Saints here in Victoria, as well as when they venture into China for the first time, is fantastic. So, uh, so this is really is a uh, sort of China-inspired venture. Yeah, exactly. Like. So uh, correct. They, they are very much on board because we're going to China. Where are they so, based? So it sounds like not Victoria, by the, by the sounds of things. No, no, they're, they're Australians. Okay. <laughs> so, it just sounds, so it sounds like they're, they're wanting a foothold in, in Victoria, though, Tar, which is a, uh, a state of Australia. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Um, maybe they're from a different part of Australia, is what I'm getting at. Look, maybe they might be trying to extend, extend their footprint, but uh, I yeah. guess the key focus here for us, Screech, is that uh, the China deal is working a treat. It's commercially uh, viable. Now, you doubted Matt Finnis when he uh, said, Saints fans, come I've, with us on the journey. I've doubted in, in many aspects, Tav. This is just one of them. Yeah. <laughs> when Matt Finnis got up and said in yeah. front of the, uh, the 40-year Saints Plus members... Yes, um, the, the unquestioning 40-year Saints Plus members. When yeah. they, they laughed at the opportunity. The soft touch members. Yeah, when, when he said, let's go to China, and they yes. laughed at him. Uh, they said, well, no, thank you. They said, <laughs> they said, no, thank you. This is uh, the reason why, because um, 
you know, forget the game, yeah. these commercial opportunities that we're sort of, I guess, uh, getting uh, shoehorned into, which okay. is great. Yeah, well, look, if, if this is the first taste of the uh, the fruits of the uh, Matt Finnis Chinese uh, tree, then uh, fantastic, yeah. It, look, if it is attracting uh, corporate dollars like this, it, if we wouldn't have got them any other way, then that's something. Um, I, I'd still, I still think it's a weird venture. Um I'm not doing the uh, the Scott Morrison knee how for, uh, for for this venture myself, Tav. But uh, uh, look, that's how it seems like. Well, it's interesting though. Are the quotes are those genuine quotes? You think like the the fact that company saying you know we're really excited to get into China. Like surely if a company wants to get into China, mm. like you, you can do that. You don't <laughs> need to piggyback a, a random football club going into China <laughs> for some weird football game. That, no Chinese person is going to be even conscious of, let alone know who's sponsoring the game. Yeah. Um, is it just spin, do you think, Tav, or is it uh, legitimate? Look, I, I think it's um, uh, an attractive uh, proposition for a company who at least, you know... Uh, <laughs> what's, I, can't, I can't listen to that in a straight face, Tav. What, what's a... Uh, no, of course it is, because... Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah. say if we were the Western Bulldogs, what uh, links do they have to China? They have none at the moment. They've got links to Barrow and Barrow Okay. No, no, but if you're weighing up the two, two, two clubs... Yeah. And, and you're saying we've but, got we've got not, this baby formula. We want to get into China. Is this, is this what this company has? Yes. Do they have baby? They formula? They have baby formula. Do they really? Yes, they do. What does it say? ANS baby formula. Oh, okay. There's well, a photo of David Armitage here with the ANS baby formula. Are you serious? Yes, it's here. That's weird. Look, that's. I get it from a company perspective then, because baby formula is a weird thing with with Chinese. It yeah. seems. Um, which. Sounds so, so if you're this that, company and you want to partner with an elite sports well, so, program that so, has links to China, on, this is fantastic uh, avenue for them to do so, so. So what are they marking themselves as? ANS? What is it? Australian... Nutrition and sports. So what's the nutrition and sports in baby formula? Well, that's nutrition. nutrition. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm feeling weird about this, Tar. <laughs> I'm feeling weird. I'm not sure where to go with it. <laughs> So you think uh, ANS might just be uh, using us for uh, this uh, year just to get some quick baby formula sales? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I honestly off. don't know. So we, uh, what, what's the marketing angle here? We're going to be uh, running out and trying to uh, okay, with, well, to with give... baby bibs on, or uh, <laughs> well, to give you some perspective what's on the ANS crossover. ANS is a nutrition and wellness company with its broad range of products made right here in Australia. Yeah. It has expanded since its founding in 2006 to become a thriving company well, with operations wow. in Australia and Asia. Oh, they've already got operations in Australia, <laughs> in, Asia <laughs> in Asia, with particular focus on further expanding into Asia in the future. So, this is uh, yeah. great stuff, Scrooge. Yeah. Look, um, if they're giving us money, yeah. then uh, it's good. <laughs> That's all I can say. This is... Weird. Look, the baby formula aspect is, um, it sort of makes sense, but it also makes it a bit weirder. Right. You know what I mean? No, no, how? Oh, it just feels weird, a baby formula company, if that's what they are, like, they're called Australian Nutrition and Sports, but the reason they're partnering with us is to flog baby formula in China. Yeah. Is that not a weird link? <laughs> with the sponsorship, well, <laughs> you just talk it through logically like that. When you're trying to get a new market screech, you'll uh, try different avenues. Yeah. And I think this is maybe a pathway forward for Look, ANS. If, they're, if they've given us money, then that's 
That's great. Now, another uh, partnership with uh, Inked yeah. under the, your man Chris Larkin's uh, screech. Yeah, what else is Larko done for us? <laughs> Holmes Glen Institute and St Kilda Expand Partnership. Great. St Kilda Football Club yep. is pleased to announce Holmes Glen Institute as the club's official community education partner. Okay. Holmes Glen Institute is a large TAFE in Melbourne. Oh, Holmes, is, is Holmes Glen near, is uh, South Road, isn't it? Near RSEA Park. Is that, that's a Holmes Glen uh, campus. That's right. It's so, a massive, massive um, little campus there. The, <laughs> massive little campus. Massive campus, but it's very close to Lynn Street. Yeah. Exactly. So there is a nice link there, and they yep. have memory down there throwing the, uh, the Saints cameras. Uh, memory does that. look like a TAFE uh, student as well. Funny you should say that. St Kilda players and staff will also benefit from education opportunities with Jade Gresham, Josh Battle, and Tim Membry. There we go. Among a number of players currently engaged in courses at Holmesland Institute. Okay. Fantastic. So there you what, go. What were they doing there? So the part construction manager. Well, yeah, probably that sort of uh, mm-hmm. thing you would think. Uh, the partnership will see some Kilda and Homesland work together on a range of initiatives. That, that fits with RCA as well with uh, the high vis stuff and the safe workwear. Well, that's what they're saying. Uh, you know, RCA Park uh, will become a base for educating students uh, when stage two is completed. So. How? <laughs> No, well, obviously, when um, the Homestead students... Uh, They'll be yeah. building stage two. Be building that, that's, that's the link. That's great. They'll have the hard hats on. They'll be building the new uh, grandstand for the before the women's league starts. So we've run out of money. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to get these guys from a Homestead tape yep. to come along and build our uh, stage students. two. We're going into China. We're going to have Chinese students building the uh, next stage of development. So we're going to pay the Chinese students with baby formula. Yeah. And <laughs> to take back to China. As part of ANS sponsorship. <laughs> it all makes sense to us. Your man, Chris Larkins, he Larko. is uh, doing a tree yeah. for the Saints here commercially. So, look, um, uh, we do just a little bit squeeze because, uh, <laughs> but having said yeah. that, uh, given yeah. the fact that uh, we've struggled to uh, get some corporate dollars in, this is at least sort of a, a pathway to that. I'm not sure on the education partnership whether that's a corporate oh, no, dollar coming in. No, but, that's uh, fantastic, yeah. Look, all, all for furthering education of any form. So, it's great that. Uh, Worthwhile partnership, hopefully. We get some dollars coming in and we can uh, promote uh, Homesland and, and that pathway to education. And any opportunity that uh, Matt Finnis can't uh, you know, put his uh, claw in the Saints fans' pockets for extra dough is probably a good thing, Screech. Yeah, well, the, the winner's pledge, we just don't know. Um, now we've brought, you've brought this up, Tal. I've forgotten about that. We were hitting into round four. We just don't know how much uh, the fans have pledged and how much we've raised. I want to know. Well, there you go. Call him, Tal. Find out for us. Now, some uh, other club news uh, screeches to rattle through. Yes. Um, AFLW, they've uh, yeah. actually had We've some, got some uh, signings. Some signings. So, Fantastic. Uh, we talk about uh, the Finnis uh, era at the Saints. Look, that is one of the uh, the good moves that he's done, uh, bringing in the, the female football program with, yeah. uh, under the stewardship of uh, Peter Stirl. Um, interesting to note that we've uh, signed three players at the moment, yep. uh, or headline players at the moment. Uh, Darcy Guttridge, uh, number nine pick from uh, Collingwood a couple of years back. Yep. Alison Drennan from uh, North Melbourne, actually on the BNF uh, in the Saints VFL team the year before, yep. uh, which is great to see a Saints VFL player coming, coming back. back. Yeah, fantastic. And also uh, Rhiannon Watt as well, big ruckman, 31-year-old, so on and, the experience uh, side. And I, I saw the Saints announce that during the week. She is a grew up a, a Saints fan. Yes. Played for Carlton last season, I think. And she said, "I'm returning home." Returning home, and isn't and is that not exactly the uh, the, the passion you'd want to see behind our 
inaugural AFLW side. Yep. And that that I love saying that. Something like that, a, a Saints player. That kind of um, your passion for for your professional club is completely um, beaten out of the men's league. You know, occasionally you see like a guy like Max King. It's fantastic. We know he's grown up being a passionate Saints fan. We've been able to draft him. Um, you know, he signed his contract extension before he's even played a game. He's obviously so excited to be a Saint. But equally, you see guys like, random example, Rory Sloan. We all know he's grown up being a passionate Saints fan. Yes. Has, has forged his very successful AFL career in Adelaide and he's chosen to stay there. Um, because that passion for the club you grew up supporting in the men's league is, is you know, it's been professionalised for so long and the draft has been around for so long. It just, it's just beaten out of players, you know, this is not a factor, but uh, it's still there in the women's league. It's fantastic. I think that uh, that women play, women footballers, hopefully at their first opportunity, see the opportunity to play for the club, even if they are playing professionally for another club like Carlton uh, or North Melbourne, um, you know, they see the opportunity to play for the club they've grown up supporting, that they can come home and, and play for the Saints. Yeah, very, uh, very, very exciting. And, and also, we talk about, uh, we've set up this pathway, yeah. uh, we've set up the academy there, we've set up the southern sort of, I guess, the youth girls program coming through in the southern suburbs. Yep. Uh, and I think you mentioned on a previous podcast, you know, how, how disappointing it's been for uh, these players like uh, Alice and Drennan to get sucked out into the AFLW system yeah. as soon as we've developed them. Yep. Now they're coming back. If they and, come back. And we won't have that in future, that yeah. sort of uh, drag away, which yeah. is good. But even if that drag away has happened, if they are coming back, yeah. there's, a, there's a few that have come back. If that's happening, fantastic. Let's, let's get more back in the fold and hopefully that passion is still there. Who else? Darcy Bessio, she, she was a... Saints, Saints fan, fan, yeah. Massive Saints fan yeah. growing up. She's been a star from the get-go, I guess, of AFLW with Carlton. So maybe that sort of Saints fandom has um, has been weaned out of it. But, uh, geez, you'd love to see her back in red, white and black, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it's a, a good sort of bedrock to, uh, to move from, especially in these early days, just having, uh, I guess, people with a St Kilda connection. Um, to have uh, players, you know, uh, with that passion from the get-go would be great. Yeah, and, and how exciting that we uh, can now look forward to, just personally, I know, Tav, that, um, you know, I was really excited about the women's footy in the initial couple of seasons, but I have sort of, without having a Saints team in there, I have sort of, not veered away from it, but I haven't paid as much attention to it, but mm-hmm. um, it's great knowing that the next, as soon as the next season starts, um, that we have a Saints team in there and that we can follow it uh, from the get-go next season. I'm definitely going to pay much, much more attention to um, AFLW, knowing that I can passionately follow uh, the Saints fans, get to know the women's players that we can now support as much as we can the men's team. And you'll be able to sit in the uh, the grandstand built by the Homes and Tape students, yeah. which will be uh, <laughs> fantastic and rebel. Now, some other um, uh, club news through the week. Screech, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, Brendan Goddard, uh, former... Number one draft pick at the Saints. I uh, was on Fox Footy's open mic. Yeah, right. And uh, under the headline here from uh, Josh Gablich, uh, the former Saints staffer, Brendan Goddard reveals the moment his move from St Kilda was stamped. Okay. Brendan Goddard has revealed he broke down in front of Scott Waters when he told the then St Kilda coach he was moving to Essendon, despite right. wanting to stay at the Saints, but failing to secure a reasonable offer from the club. Okay. So he went on detailed that uh, he went to Waters' place, uh, had a face-to-face at his house and told him and bawled his eyes out. He wanted to stay. He said, um, you know, look, uh, the offer from Pelican's just not uh, good enough and unfortunately I have to move to Essendon for that security contract. Yeah. Um, and uh, Waters said, 
you're making the easy decision, which is interesting. Uh, a few weeks later, he came out and said it was all about the money. He knew and had seen the emotion. So, God, I'm trying to reshape history here potentially with uh, yeah. sort of that. I know a lot of Saints fans uh, took the the Waters uh, rhetoric around this that uh, God had left for money. Yeah. Uh, but it sort of appears that, uh, that there may be more to it. Is there, though? Like, what more to it is there if you hear, hear even his side of the story in that instance? And I didn't see the interview. It's the first I've sort of heard those comments. Um, basically, Essendon offered him more money and he left. Is there more to it? Well, no, I guess so. The feeling would be that uh, Goddard, you know, uh, he wanted to stay. For more money. He wanted to stay for more money. The club though. wouldn't or couldn't accommodate him. So, because they had this uh, because, because pathway to Pelkin. Well... So look, to me, look, I, I get it, um, but also, if you love the club that much, then you sort of respect the direction the club's going and you sacrifice a bit of coin. But he wanted the coin, so he went to Essendon. Uh, you guys want to say... He, I, I, he wants, he's having his cake and eating it too here, for me, for Goddard. He, he left for the money, but now he can rewrite history and say, oh, look, if only the club had come and, and you know, show me the respect off the enough money, I would have stayed. But well, well, this is what he says. I, I didn't, didn't. I didn't feel like they really wanted me, and essentially were backing me into a corner to make a decision where they were left in a position with no blood on their hands. So he's saying, you know, uh, he sort of put himself in that position because of the direction the club was taking. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. So you don't have any sort of your, your view hasn't changed from this sort um, of. Um... I've certainly got no sympathy for Brennan Goddard. Put it that way. Right. Yeah. Um... Well, I, I do now because I think um, with the way that everything sort of unfolded, with the Pelican era swept in and the failed Richardson development program. Yeah. You know, giving up all these uh, big name players like Goddard and um, you know McAvoy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in this sort of pathway. Yeah. I do feel a bit cheated with the end result. So. At, yeah, at the, no, at the time, result, I guess you know he's supportive yeah. of it, but uh, but but Goddard could have been a one club player and been a fantastic. He would have been a future captain, of course. So. Could have been, yeah, and um, he still could have been. He made the decision to leave, um, and if he wanted to be a future captain of the club and usher in the new era of of, of Saints players and, and sort of bridge that gap of, of eras, he, he could have done that. But the club didn't trade him, is my point. And I, I get his point of that uh, they necessarily didn't want to keep him. They would have kept him, though. If he wanted to re-sign for the price the club wanted to re-sign him, the club would have happily kept him. But he went for the coin because he felt that Essendon valued him more. And the value isn't necessarily with, you know, we want you to be part of the club and we want you to be the future club captain. The value was money, and that's what he left for. All right, Screech, another um, uh, piece of uh, club news that uh, I found staggering was uh, this here from uh, Sam Landsberger in the uh, News Corp publications. Yep. Dylan Robinson's heart rate jumped to 300 beats per minute Jesus. after a pre-season game that ended his season. Dylan Robinson's heart rate alarmingly jumped to 300 beats per minute during the pre-season scare that ended his season, but the St Kilda defender remains desperate to return next year. Your max heart rate is meant to be 220 minus your age or something, Robinson said. Yeah. After the game, it sort of got up to 280, 300. It's more my heart rate trying to settle back down from exercise, he said. When I'm actually up at the highest level and I'm working really hard, it's fine. It's just a, it's trying to recover. It sort of gets a bit out of whack. Um, 
Yeah, so it's, it's very, uh, like, when I read that, I was staggered. I was thinking, what the hell is going on here for, uh, for poor Robert? But he seems yeah. fairly uh, relaxed or dis- uh, maybe a bit, uh, I don't know, like a dis- not disillusion, but... Uh, well, it must be a weird thing um, because it, he sort of, I mean, th- that the spike in his heart rate happens when he exerts himself and he's a professional athlete, so that exertion is a lot higher than... No, it's when he's coming back. He's done the exertion, then he's coming down. Yeah, but that's right. But it's because of the exertion that the spike happens. That, that's that's what I mean. Whereas, so that, that that's when things sort of get out of control from a heart rate perspective for him. But when he's just day to day, say he's sitting down like us having a conversation, his heart rate would be fine. Mm. So he's comparing this completely abnormal um, spike in heart rate that he has with his everyday where he's, he feels fine. You know what I mean? So it must be a weird thing to think for himself that I want to do the thing I love doing most, but when I do that, my heart can't handle it or it spikes out of control. But if I'm not doing that, I feel fine. So when you feel fine and want to do the thing you want to do, does that make sense? Not really, but... No. <laughs> but it makes me... To me, it makes sense why he wants to keep trying to get out there. Yeah, and this is the frustration. Because it's not as if, like, it's not as if he has this... You know, like, say for someone like Paddy McCartan, he gets the concussion, but he has that ongoing effect of concussion. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he has the hit on his head, and then two, three weeks later, he's still feeling like, like shit. Like, he still has the concussion symptoms. Whereas it seems like for, for Robbo, he has the, the heart, heart rate symptoms when he's playing or when he's sort of coming down from the exercise. Mm. But otherwise, he feels fit and healthy. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's that in-between fit and healthy, I would imagine, would make him think like, why can't I be out there? I want to be contributing. He says, obviously it's pretty frustrating to do the whole pre-season, do that hard work and get through with no symptoms whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then as soon as the siren went in JLT2 to finally be over the line and thinking round one, he's just around the corner and have another little setback was really frustrating. Yeah. So, look, this could have been a once-off. Like, he might have... Yeah. Had this happen like at this one point now, I and mean, then not have another thing for the rest of the season. So, can, can he come? He can't come back at all this season? Well, not because uh, well, they've obviously got Rowe and uh, Marsh in now, so I think his uh, slot on the list has been um, uh, diminished. But, Which uh, meant they must have thought, obviously, he couldn't have come back at all. Um, yeah, it's it's, a weird it's just the uncertainty of it. Like uh, yeah. as he says, like the doctors just don't know. They yeah. can't uh, they can't help him. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the word I've used a lot is frustrating. They can't sort of figure it out. Every time you go back, you think they the doctors are going to have an answer for you, but they just are scratching their heads. Hopefully, with the year oh, off, right. they'll be able to dig a bit deeper. Yeah, that I, I yeah, it must be just such a frustrating uh, position for him to be in. You can't go from A to B. You can't go from four weeks, here's a hamstring injury, yeah. do the recovery, yep. we're back. No end in sight for him. And even professionals, you know, he'd be seeing, as a professional um, footballer, he'd be seeing the top-end specialists and everything, yeah. and they still can't give you an answer. Can only imagine how frustrating that would be. Yeah, yeah. Tough, uh, tough going really for Robert. Really tough. All right, Scrooge, we will move along. There's some uh, club news we're sort of uh, bristled through at the, uh, the late yeah. juncture here on a um, Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, ahead of the Hawks game, which we now yes. enter into on the day off. Yeah. Uh, going up against the uh, the two and one Hawks, who, of course, yeah. had a good strong win against uh, North Melbourne. Uh, came back uh, in the third quarter and on the back of a bit of uh, Chad Wingard magic. So, yeah. 
How are you sort of feeling going into this one uh, with no Jack Stephen, of course, being out of the side? Yeah, uh, well, that's another story. We can talk about that story. Well, yeah, uh, a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, a contentious one around that. At the, uh, the press conference, uh, Alan Richardson was asked, uh, would Jack Stephen be playing? And yeah. uh, he said, look, no, he's a bit sore at the moment, so we're just going to wait and see how he goes during the uh, final training session. Yeah. As it turned out, he came up uh, sore, according to uh, yeah. the club. Yeah. Oh, or at least uh, that was the intimation from Richardson at the press conference as the reason to him being why he would be left out of the squad. Yeah. And as it sits, only Luke Dunstan is out. Yeah. And uh, Ben Long comes in for a bit of forward pressure. Yeah. Well, look, for, just to, to touch on the, the the one change that did happen, um, glad to see Ben Long back in the, the side. Um, probably harshly dealt with after round one. Uh, didn't have a great game round one. Um and paid the price for that, but um, very happy to see him back in because I think he has a lot to offer the side and hopefully he shows that uh, against the Hawks. Um, Dunstan as well, I agree, completely with going out of the side. I'm fed up with seeing um, Dunstan's uh, bad habits. Um, that are just stuck in his game at the moment. You mentioned it briefly about the Freo game, Tav, where Dunstan t- gets a mark and just stands there um, and holds the game up. He doesn't uh, get the handball on quickly or the kick on quickly. Um, and most importantly, he doesn't get back off his mark. So he stands there, sort of half looking for an option. Uh, meanwhile, the mark is manned, and then he finally decides to get back. And for a guy who's uh, got the concrete boots on, oh, it is such a already horrible it's, it's habit. Not, it's not a good and look. And we've, we've both been at the footy in the outer tar tearing our hair out watching him do it this season. So um, look, I, I think he deserves a spell. He has, just has not been offering enough at AFL level. Um, well, well it, it throws Dunstan into question around his longevity of the side. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, yeah. he was not, really, not on the side at the start of last season. And, he was but, dropped throughout last year. He's been dropped the year before. The year before, yeah. That's so, so, the thing. We're in our third season now. So he peaked in 2014, question. essentially. Yeah. His first year at the club. Yeah. We're, 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 so I think our third year asking these same questions about Dunstan and wondering what we're going to get from him. And I think this is just this is what we get from him. You know, he, he's a death player for us at this point. He should not be a first selection. Look, I wouldn't have had um, Ben Long. My ideal selections would have been another midfielder coming in for Dunstan, which would have been Jack Stephen, hopefully, but mm. clearly that didn't eventuate. And I would have had a Ben Long coming in. I'm really glad to see Long back in, and I would have had him coming in for um, someone like Kent. But uh, Kent gets another reprieve. Um, and look, the, the Jack Stephen question, look... Listeners in Utah as well might just be sick of me saying this sort of stuff, but to me, they just smacks of the club lying to us yet again. Um, they very plausibly uh, made the argument that um, Jack didn't go across to Frio because he was being rested um, after a limited preseason because he had uh, the break from the club and he got through the first couple of weeks, which they're really happy with, but look, we don't want to test him with a flight to Perth, then a game, um, uh, because he's just not right for it. That was completely plausible. He's not being rested. You don't rest one game and then rest when he doesn't travel to, to a game uh, in Perth and then rest the next week after you know a, a seven-day break for the entire playing list. He's either injured, that they're not telling us exactly what's injured, like Richo dances around, oh, he's just a bit sore, no, he's just not right, or we just need to make sure that he's, he's right. Like, what the fuck does that mean to start? Um, he's either got a, a legitimate injury which he's missing two weeks at least for, um, or uh, his mental health struggles have, have um, eventuated again or popped up again, and he needs a bit of a break. Either way, if it's an injury 
tell us that he's got an injury and that he can't play and the fan base would understand that. Or if he's struggling with his mental health at the moment, tell us that. We don't need to know the intimate details of that, but just let us know that he's not right. He, he can't be playing senior footy at the moment, so he's having a break. Supporters would only be supportive of Jack as a, um, a Saints man that get away and, and do what you need to do and come back and play. Instead, they do no favours for poor old Jack. He's either um, you know, dealing with an injury that's not being communicated properly with or dealing with mental health, health issues that we can't um, you know, support him for. The fact that we've just been rested and he's not coming up for a game two weeks in a row, um, to me, he's just blatant lies. I'm sick of it. Well, I guess so. You put in the, uh, yeah, because like um, uh, for for people who would say, well, look, why should the club uh, divulge this sort of information? You know, why do they need to go through the ins and outs of? Uh, why do so, they need to lie to us? No, but I guess that's the context to it. Screech is that this has now been six years of this Richardson Finnis yeah, era of lies, of uh, yeah, deviation uh, and and cover ups and things like that. Are just sort of I guess in the melting pot. Yeah, you're not sure what to believe. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's not this. The Jack Stephen uh, missing this week isn't uh, dealt with in a vacuum. It, there's a long track record of Richardson blatantly lying to us. It's not just like it's not the media he's lying to. He's lying to us, too. He's lying to Saints fans, members about um, who's available to be selected and who's not available to be selected and why they're not available. Um, and I just don't understand it. I don't know it, the um, argument you could have about team selection and, and other teams not knowing what we're doing or who's being selected is absolute bullshit because every club knows exactly what every other club's doing in 2019. Um, it's just us poor mug punters that are left to be lied to. And I, I honestly do not understand what the club gets from it because it surely doesn't help the players. And I, I'm not sure uh, what the reasoning is. All I am is, is frustrated, Tom. I can hear it in your voice, Squidge. Yeah. Now, uh, it's been interesting times for uh, for Richardson. Now, you talk about your frustration with uh, injuries. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. uh, during the, uh, the the latest press conference ahead of the uh, the Hawthorne preview, yeah. um, Dinny N from yeah. AFL Media, yeah. he uh, did mention that uh, Richardson got a bit agitated yeah. uh, with uh, the line of questioning around Dan Hannery. Yeah. That's another component that the, uh, the club uh, has to yeah. deal with. Um, uh, two weeks ago or a week ago? Uh, we've dissected this one, Tav, but no, also, no, no, no. also haven't been um, as fourth rider up front as they should be with, with Hanbury's injuries. Yeah, no, what's interesting is just how the, the media sort of uh, components played out for the Saints. So clearly they've tried to batten down the hatches and I guess um, eliminate this from the discourse as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for them, they're going to keep getting the questions at every press conference until he comes and plays. Well, what happens when uh, you sign a player to... 800 plus K a year from another club. So it's just, yeah. You can't just sweep it under a carpet. No, hopefully the club has got a a plan to, I guess, uh, manage this. Um, It doesn't sound like they do, given the way they've sort of handled (laughs) it. Because what we do know is um, uh, before the Gold Coast game, Richardson said that Hanbury needed to be rebuilt. Yeah. Uh, Then after the Essendon game, at the uh, press conference ahead of the Fremantle game, I think it was, he came out and said, look, I'm not here to give headlines about Dan Hanbury. Yep. Not interested in talking about Dan Hanbury. Yeah, don't right. want to do that. He sort of yep. was very agitated. Heaven forbid. Then the, this week, uh, ahead of the uh, Hawthorne game, yep. he was asked, where's Dan Hanbury at? 
three weeks in a row. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, he's probably going to be around, um, uh, he was asked, you know, would six or around seven be the likely return date for any sort of football? And yeah. he said, no, that's probably too soon. Yeah. So it's now pushed out. Yeah. So uh, No wonder they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And then uh, and then he was asked again, like he said, um, look, uh, I can't give a timeline because uh, we're just sort of going to see how he responds. Yeah. Asked again by the journalist yeah. in response at a later question. Yeah. And uh, he said, no, that's it. Not talking about it. I've already answered your question. Not talking oh, about it at all. Geez. He was very angry. Yeah. Richo. Uh, oh, keep at it, journos. That's all I can say. Keep asking the question. I'm, I'm sick of him dancing around this stuff. Just give give an honest answer. But but in fairness to Richard, he doesn't know like because uh, he, th- he this guy is broken. Yeah, he needs to be rebuilt, according yeah. to Richardson, who exposed. Uh, but he, he's he's the talked about, this. He's walked back those comments, hasn't he? No, he hasn't. He still said he needs to be rebuilt. He's sticking with that. He's sticking with that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Look, I mean, um, uh, the interesting thing from this is you know. What what the club can do to, to manage this expecta- expectation around other Henry stuff? Oh, well, uh, not recruiting in the first place probably would help managing uh, those expectations. No, uh, look, I think look, we're reaping what we sow, Tav, uh, from a club perspective. If, but if you're upfront and honest from the get go, instead of giving these false timelines that they have, mm. um, you wouldn't keep getting asked these questions. The reason why the reason he's asked about playing Henry playing in round six or round seven. Is because that's what they've told journos previously. Is that you know he'll be back playing football. You know, in at the start of the season, they said he'll be back playing football five six weeks. So that's why they're asking. They're not asking just because they want to be annoying. Like that's as annoying as journalists can be, Tav. So what can annoying. they do then? What can they do? Just uh, set the timeline and say he's indefinite. Is that just, not the best way forward? Just put him out there and say, look, no, he's injured. We can't see him playing in the foreseeable future. It's indefinite. Okay. We'll update you when we know something else. There you go. Then it uh, eliminates that question. It does. Uh, Tom, how consistently, how are we bettering the club's <laughs> messaging here? Because we are both idiots. Well, I know I'm an idiot. You're slightly uh, more in tune with this stuff than I am. Like, how do they get it so wrong? Yeah, look, I... So often. Well, some might say that they get some other things right. They're keeping something under wrap and you just don't get to hear that so maybe they're doing some oh. good things behind the scenes that you just don't come out into the public sphere to give them credit it's a very but uh, uh, to take on I'm trying top. to take a positive yeah. spin uh, anyway Screech um, yep. just, just further to this uh, Richardson stuff was uh, I was thinking about this Hanbury thing look if yep. Richardson is not on board with Hanbury signing and if he's just sort of the front yep. man of the mouthpiece he sort of feels like a, an, an electioneering politician yep. who's selling a product he just doesn't selling believe in. Yeah. Uh, he's got his party policy which is the left lean appointment of uh, Hanbury yeah. to the club. Because he's he, mates with his dad. He just doesn't believe in it. Yeah. So, Mate, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so another uh, Richardson uh, press conference just for a quick uh, Richard quote of the week I did like this it was uh, after the um, or ahead of the Fremantle game uh, Richardson had this to say. He was uh, actually on Channel 7 News, which I found yeah. interesting. They put him up there. They had a good media week uh, after the uh, Essendon game, uh, taking in all the uh, the, the kudos. Yeah, of the win, yeah. And uh, he was on uh, with uh, Tim Watson. We'll try and pull it up. Well, St Kilda are well the surprise packets of the competition, undefeated after two mm-hmm. rounds, and their coach, Alan Richardson, joins us tonight. Richo, congratulations. It couldn't have been a better start to the season. No, it's been really pleasing, Tim. The guys have embraced everything we've asked them, and it's, it's great to have a two-zip two start to the year. <laughs> what did you put down to overall? Because you had so much... 
So a bit of a, uh, a, ni- a nip slip there for yeah. Alan Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, didn't wow. quite get the messaging right there on the, the glare of the Channel 7 news. Yeah. But, uh, good to see the uh, the Crest front and centre and the sponsors get a bit of a plug. Yeah, that's annoying because we started two and nip and now we're two and one. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately we couldn't keep the uh, the, the nip ledger um, as it was. That's uh, that's great, Tal. Good pick up. I hadn't heard that. He should have. He should have made some light of that, Richo. But uh, he corrected himself. Too no, well, that's the interesting thing about this Richo in this conference uh, with uh, Tim Watson. Yeah. Very stern. Yeah. Uh, certainly an agitated uh, coach after training in that six o'clock slot. Yeah. Bit tired. All right, Screech, uh, we're bloody tired. It's coming up to 1am here on Sunday <laughs> here of the Hawthorne game. I can't believe we've yeah. actually done this uh, podcast, but um, let's get some quick thoughts for you ahead yeah. of the, uh, the Hawthorne game. Yeah, look, um, I haven't seen a heap of Hawthorne um, this season so far. I did see their game against the Dogs where they got to a, a comfortable lead and then capitulated um, and had a bit of that implosion. The Dogs came back and ran over the top of them. Um, and look, they're, they're not the... Um, the formidable Hawthorne that we've known in years past, I guess, Tav. Um, there's no um, no Tom Mitchell to start with. Um, there, there's no uh, Sean Burgoyne, who is still 36 years of age. Uh, amazingly, is still a really good AFL footballer. Uh, is Ruffhead playing or is he... He's back in. Ruffhead's back in. So would have helped if, if, if he was out because he certainly will stretch, you'd think, our um, still undermanned defence. Uh, Jago Mira is still a, a cloud over him um, after a hip injury last week. So if he's out, uh, that would be a big help for us if he's laid out, Tav. Um, but at this point, he's still playing. Um, look, it's an opportunity um, for us because I think, look, free, uh, the, the loss against Frio, um, aside from the result, I think, look, we cracked in as, as much as we could for most of that game. And as I, as I mentioned up at the top of the, uh, the episode, one thing seemingly we can count on in 2019 is the effort and the endeavour is there from the playing list uh, and we're not giving up leads in the first half or the first quarter badly although you know we got behind against Frio but at least initially um, we, we seem to keep the game within our grasp and, and, and keep the game within our control um, early on so hopefully um, we, we can uh, take our opportunities we played well against Hawthorne last year too um, in a sort of a, another game yet another game in 2018 where we didn't take uh, our opportunities when they were there uh, and get a win. Um, having said that, look, I feel like we probably will lose, but not badly. It feels like um, we'll probably crack in and have a really good effort, but then Hawthorne will just have enough to get over the top of us, I think. I, I still don't think we're there with our um, disposal and our finishing, and especially our, our disposal going into the forward 50. Um, I just don't think we leave our, ourselves enough margin for error to get wins against a team like Hawthorne that are still just that professional uh, and coached by Alistair Clarkson. They just seem to get the job done uh, more often than not. So, look, I see us sort of really cracking in, but not giving ourselves the chance to win in the end and we'll probably lose by sort of three or four goals is what I'm feeling. Yeah, interesting around that Clarkson thing. Richardson has a very poor record against Clarkson. Yeah. Really only the bright spot was that game a couple of years back against in, in Tassie. Uh, in Tassie. Yeah. It's the Hawks who won by 75 points and the gentleman yeah. in the uh, Saints suit was, was there. 2017? 16? Can't have been 16. 17 then. 17? Must be 17. Yeah. So... Yeah, but apart from that, you know, I've had a 145-point thrashing in uh, Richardson's first yeah, year. Yeah, uh, that was a nightmare. That was a nightmare. 
Yeah, the last couple of uh, encounters, you know, the, the game last year in Tassie, you know, I let that one uh, slip, just yeah. uh, look competitive in patches, but didn't quite get there. Yeah. Uh, interesting around this one is the Ratten factor. Obviously, yeah. bringing some intel. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Richardson downplayed it in the press conference. He was asked, you know, whether uh, he'd bring across some intel. Richardson said, oh, you know, um, I'm sure it'll help, but it didn't weigh too heavily on it. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I hope he does. Look, yeah. I hope that's not uh, true. I hope he uh, is uh, absorbing that <laughs> uh, intel. Yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, he's got that all uh, bettered down. Um, the Hawks are sort of uh, suggesting that, I guess, uh, uh, they've been impressed with uh, St Kilda's defensive attributes. And on yeah. their website, they mentioned that, you know, last year we were ranked 14th for uh, points conceded. This year, in fact, Screech, um, and this is sort of that system that's uh, really improved this year. Uh, the points against column is cause for much more excitement for the Saints faithful, having improved from the third easiest side to score against last year, the fourth most difficult this yeah. year. Okay, that's good. Expect a tight physical encounter on Sunday, and they go on to say that uh, Billings is the uh, key man to stop for the uh, Saints, yeah, yeah. which I tend to agree with. You know, he's uh, been in red hot form, uh, 32 possessions and two goals last week. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, they would sort of think that if they can curb him, then uh, that supply yeah. to the entry and, in yeah. the 50s would uh, curtail the Saints. Absolutely. And, and, like, physically, I don't feel we're a side that gets sort of at bullied or, or muscled off the ball. Mm. Like, uh, it seems like that contested sort of game we're fairly well suited to yeah. in, in 2019. So, um, look, in, if Rowan Marshall... Big game against um, Ben McAvoy, I think. Oh, run him off his legs. Like, Absolutely. Uh, and, and McAvoy, not, not a great tap ruckman. Like, he's not one that's going to sort of control the, uh, you know, the, the centre clearances through his tap work or anything like that. So Marshall can really compete with him there. And then, as you said, run him off, uh, off his legs. We know McAvoy is a fantastic um, contested mark around the ground. He did that for us when he was at the Saints and he's continued on in his Hawthorne career being a fantastic contested mark. But... Marshall has shown himself really adept in that aspect of the game as well. He's taken some good contested marks around the ground for us this season. Um, so, yeah, real key matchup there. Um, hopefully Marshall can, can get on top of him around the ground. And all he needs to do is break even, um, sort of in both sort of, sort of centre bounce contests and, and around the ground. If we can get um, some kind of parity or even get on top in the, the centre clearances... Yeah, obviously, it makes the game so much easier um, for, for any side, but certainly for us. Uh, one other thing, uh, Screech, is we do know uh, that Isaac Smith uh, tortures us generally. So yeah. we saw last week uh, with Michael Walters, we knew going in he was going to be a dangerous uh, proposition. Yes. We know that Isaac Smith, if he gets off the chain, he gets those long-range goals as he's done against us in the past, he could be the difference. So yeah. please, someone stop him and man up on him, uh, Richard. Yeah, or if, and if anything, Ratton can help with his intel and how to stop a player like that that can get on top of us. Yeah, all right, Screech. Well, here we go. This big uh, opportunity, as you say, against uh, last year's top four, the Hawks. Um, crazy to think they were top four. It doesn't feel like they were a top four side last year. Yeah, certainly not playing as a top four at the moment. Yeah. So uh, this is a, a good chance for us <laughs> to uh, extend our, um, our record to three and one. Amazing. And if we can get to three and one. The, the fixture opens up yeah, for us. So. Absolutely. Uh, here we go, Saints fans. We hope you enjoy your day at Marvel Stadium on Sunday. Marvelous Marvel, of course. And uh, until next time, Screech, we will see you inside the Saints disco once again. Yours in football. Go St Kilda. Go Saints. <laughs>